Hello, and welcome to One Hit Away Foundation podcast series. I am Darren Sidibaka and the co-founder of One Hit Away Foundation, which is the only nonprofit organization in the country that is dedicated to brain healing and brain health of sports-related concussions. And I've got to add, don't forget about the sub-concussions either. If you are interested in learning more about brain healing treatments for sports-related concussions, this is the right place, and we thank you for your interest. Also, if sports have been or is a part of your life, then you know that everyone is just one hit away from a sports-related concussion. Yep, that invisible injury. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us this afternoon. We have just a phenomenal opportunity to dive into, literally dive into something very interesting relative to the sport of surfing. And today's title to today's podcast is called A True Maverick with World Record Surfing and TBI Suffering. And today we're going to have a fascinating discussion, I'm sure, with two-time Guinness World Record setter in big wave surfing, Sean Dollar. Welcome, Sean. And uh, before we get started, I want to properly introduce you because your accolades are incredible in the sport of surfing. Thank you. Um, the Northern California, Sean is a Northern California surfer who graduated from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in 2004. Sean Dollar is a retired professional big wave paddle surfer with multiple career accomplishments, including, including two world records for surfing a 55-foot wave at Mavericks here in Northern California and then a 61-foot wave at Cortez Bank, California. He placed fourth in the world two times on a big wave world tour and it was a standout at Mavericks from 2005 to 2015 consistently. In the height of his big wave career, he broke his neck and suffered a traumatic brain injury while surfing. His life was literally turned upside down, and his relationships and his family started to deteriorate along with his mental ability and stability. He was diagnosed with early CTE, significant brain damage, with a, and with a spec image from, from the Amen Clinics, um, this all changed. By the way, just one as full disclosure, Amen Clinics is also a strategic partner for One Hit Away Foundation. Um, this diagnosis of the spec image and understanding opened up the door to begin finding treatments for Sean. Through the network of doctors, Sean has undergone hyperbaric oxygen therapy, neural prolotherapy, stem cells, hormone therapy, and many other functional brain healing modalities to have a full recovery which is incredible. He feels very fortunate to have been able to connect with some of the brightest and best brain healing and brain health doctors in the country and create a new framework for brain healing. Sean is also a member and proudly we're have, we are proud to have Sean as a member of the One Head Away Sports Advisory Council that is just an incredible resource and a center of influence for the world of surfing for potential brain healing and brain health for that sport. Sean, welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. It's quite an introduction. I appreciate it. Well, you've earned it, and uh, through um, you know bittersweet, you've earned it. It's amazing. Um, I got to ask you a, a fun question. When did you start surfing, and where did you start surfing? I started surfing in Santa Cruz. I was probably around age six or eight years old, pretty young. Probably eight's more realistic. Um, with my father, my father was a surfer from San Clemente. I moved up to Santa Cruz, and I remember well my first day out there, and it was uh, my first wave. I was hooked and uh, never looked back. 
what did well tell me what did you love so much about it we mean hooked and what eventually led you to go after the largest waves in the world that's incredible um i don't know it's like you know to have a memory when you're eight or nine is is a little fuzzy anyway but i just remember my dad coming down to the beach with me and my younger brother my younger brother is like a year and a half um difference and he takes us both down to Cal's beach and he's, we're so excited. I'm so excited to paddle out. The waves are small and gentle and it's a perfect place for learning. And, uh, we start paddling out and my brother needed, um, attention from my dad. I don't know what was going on. Maybe he was scared, which, you know, he was a lot younger than me. And, uh, I just paddled out to the main break. And I remember, uh, turning around and paddling for a wave and catching it, you know, some whitewater ride and standing up on my first wave by myself and just thinking it was the most incredible feeling. And, uh, I was so excited. I wanted to surf as much as I could and Mm -hmm. I just kept going. And I mean, I had obviously to stand up on your first wave by yourself as a little kid on your own, there's, you're talented at it naturally. And it was just always a natural thing for me. I just, you know, big waves were, as as a kid, I would search out the biggest waves in my neighborhood. You know, when the swells were big, I would wouldn't surf the smaller breaks. I'd go up to the top of the points and try to catch the biggest waves I could. It was just a natural thing for me. It's amazing because you got involved in a sport that nature commands the course. You had no you have no you have no no influence on the course you're about to take. And so to me, as a not a surfer, it's amazing. You need tremendous confidence and just an, an introverted self-awareness that this is for me. I'm ready to go. It's incredible. When, when, you, when, when you were chasing the largest waves in the world at the time, when you were in your prime, did you or your surfing community have any information about the potential correlation of concussions and subconcussions on your sport? Um. No, it was not discussed. It was, uh, I mean, people would get a concussion here and there, it was, and it was typically related to a surfboard hitting them. But for the most part, no, it was not discussed. But I was, you know, personally aware that I was consistently getting sub-level concussions. And I started paying attention and following what was going on at the NFL during that time. That's like early, you know, 2000. What was this like 2010 ish was probably right. when the news on the NFL really started to kind of get a hold of the media. Right. And, you know, I just had a really strong feeling that that was, I was a similar story to what was going on there. You know, it's interesting. I was reading, I've been, you, you've captivated my entire interest during your sports since we've gotten to know each other over the years. And I was reading a wonderful line from Dr. You probably know Dr. Leland Dow. Hawaii. And Dr. Leland Dow, who works with surfers in the state of Hawaii, said one hour of surfing pipeline is equivalent to one hour of NFL football. You disagree? I (laughs) totally agree with that. But that is awesome. I've never heard a doctor say anything like that, but that's always been my impression. It is. Waves are incredibly violent and the concussion wave from a breaking wave that ripples through the water, you can feel it through your whole body. Oh. And um, it is, it's a tough sport. I mean, even though you, you get up every time, nobody, rarely somebody's knocked out by a wave, 
I don't even know if that's ever happened, but you are rattled and seeing stars. But it's just like, you know, the sports of old. Get up and get back out there. Right, you know? right, right, right. Like, shake it off. You're fine. <sighs> All right. Well, speaking of shaking it off, I, it was a big day. Your life-changing day is September 7th, 2015. Take us back sure to that was. day if you can and tell our audience what happened. Um, I It was midsummer, and I was surfing a wave that was that is down in Big Sur. And so it's in a re- really remote area, um, no cell phone service, off the Big Sur cliffs. And um, it... Basically, I'm down there with one other friend, and there's a few other surfers that um, were there as well. But the playing field is you're pretty much – you can be on your own at times, and it's really dangerous at the base of this cliff with rocks everywhere. And um, it's just – you know, there's always always been an eerie feeling for me going there, and it was always like, just don't get hurt, you know. Uh And it was always like, don't roll your ankle because, you know, the hike out is – about 2,000 vertical feet through switchbacks oh, and canyons. And it's just, it's everything about it's radical. <laughs> big sir. It's big sir, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I just found myself in a bad situation out there where there was a large set coming and I was in the impact zone. And the way that this wave was working was it's mainly a, a left and I was on the inside on the right. So I wasn't, getting swept in like usually you know after a bad wipeout you get washed to the beach but there's no beach it's just rocks and where I was in particular was rocks the size of cars to you know small houses and I started getting um, really close to those and the strength of the waves were alarming and I was in a bad situation so I was about to get hit by a large wave, white water rolling through. And so to get deeper, I jumped off my board and dove down. And, you know, I'm usually really aware of my surroundings and I didn't see anything that signified that there was any rocks where I, where I was about to jump. But as I dove through the water within a few feet down, there was um, like a pinnacle sticking up, like a rock was sticking up. My hand split over it, and I went head first into this rock. And uh, I was, my, you know, I was buckling underneath in that rock, and my neck was starting to break. And it was, uh, it was pretty radical moments because I was forced to strain and hold my neck and my body from my feet coming back over into my head and scorpion and I you know this is fractions of a second right that this is happening but I'm was time stood still and I was so aware of everything that happened and I just held on at that moment as tightly as I could to my neck and and used all my strength and I was really strong at this point I had a big neck from big wave surfing it was was really strong and um was able to hold my neck from from buckling, but what ended up happening was because of the strength that was on the vertebrae and everything else, my muscles ended up we found later ended up shredding my neck. Um like so I could hear my neck breaking and I just was fighting it everything I could to just not snap my spine in half and uh 
I pulled that off somehow and then fought consciousness because I was going in and out of consciousness and not even sure if I stayed conscious the whole time. But um, just basically found myself in the impact zone floating there with uh, knowing I had a broken neck, trying to stay conscious and just getting mercilessly beat wave after wave into the rocks. And um, it sucked because I knew the triage, you know, trained with triage situations and all this stuff, you're not supposed to move when you break your neck. Mm. But I was trying not to move and I was faced with the situation that I was going to I wasn't going in and I wasn't going out and I was getting um, about to get smashed even harder in a bunch of rocks so it was like I was damned if I did damned if I didn't and I really didn't have any other choice but to you know risk you know severing my spinal cord possibly from moving or you know just getting beat so bad that I might not survive (laughs) So I got on my board and began a long process of paddling back out to a safer beach. I was up around the headland, and um, it was grueling because every time I got on my board, it hurt tremendously, and I had to paddle, and I'd get hit by a wave and knocked off, and then I'd have to get back on the board, paddle, get hit by a wave, and kept knocking off, and it took me it took me quite a while, but I finally made it to a beach, and. Um, just could not believe that I was not paralyzed at that point Wow! after kind of that whole long ordeal. But um, yeah, it was, it was scary. And, you know, I was grateful for, uh, for making it to the beach still with full mobility. Well, you, you've been, that's, in, that's intense. I, I don't think there's anybody in the audience who can explain what you just went through or even feel it or understand it. It's just, definitely an isolated tragedy that we've learned a ton from. But you also said it was a miracle how you got out. You're quoted in People Magazine, San Francisco Chronicle, and other international publications that it was a complete miracle. And, you know, you and I are around a group of individuals that understand you have these things happen for potentially a reason to help others understand what we can do for these kinds of injuries and, and devastating situations. So tell us what happened when... You went to the hospital. What did they say about your neck, your head, et cetera? Yeah, it was, um, you know, the brain injury wasn't even a concern, to tell you the truth. It was the neck. Hmm. And even for me personally at that point, you know, as days I was out of it, it was like, I have a broken neck. And um, we made it to the hospital that afternoon. And it was quite a surreal experience because the whole, once we got out of Big Sur and we got reception, um, long story short, the guy was with uh, his uh, mother-in-law is one of the nurses, at main nurses at Dominican, and I know a lot of the nurses there personally too. So we, we called ahead and they were, they were ready for me. Hmm. And we did have a doctor too on the phone at some point and basically everybody was like you know hey this guy when Sean comes in he's going to be okay there's no way he broke his neck and hiked out of Big Sur like mm. so wow. from the beach I hiked out um, and they're like it's just not possible just come on in he probably sprained his neck he's going to be all right so 
<laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, right. It was, but I kind of started <laughs> believing it after, you know, a three hour drive. Okay. Oh man. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So <laughs> I get to the, we pull up to the ER, they're ready for me. They got a bed. They put me on it. They start cutting off my shirt, putting, tying me down to it. And it was like, I finally was properly isolated the way you should be with a neck injury. And that was when it started kind of getting surreal, you know, and, um, Still, the mood was optimistic. Everybody kind of assumed I was okay after everything I'd went through. And I got to say, it was really kind of upbeat and light. And then they, you know, it took it, it took a little while, but they got me into an MRI and they did a scan. And when the screen, when the monitor showed the image, I get tingles of talking about it. Just the room went absolutely silent. And, um, nobody would talk to me after that and uh my heart just sunk because i just knew that that image that they were seeing was that bad and uh and yeah it turned out that it broke uh four vertebrae and uh you know it was it was a really really bad kind of break but i got lucky because i never broke the spinal column itself so i wasn't going to have to do surgery found out they put me in a collar that immediately and I had a really good neurosurgeon that spoke with me and my question to her and to everybody well really the the nurses specifically was you know hey okay you got me in this collar this is kind of the plan but when can I go home because I probably still had a lot of adrenaline going at this point and they're like you know whenever you can walk out of the hospital you can go home and I was like, okay, cool. I walked out of picture. I can walk out of the hospital, no problem. Oh so God. I told my wife, like, get the car. We're going home. And I, I went home. And uh, it was a big mistake because I got home and basically I had an adrenaline dump and I began passing out, like, over and over at home. And uh, we had to call the, for the ambulance and get me back to the hospital and spent the next four days in the in the hospital and I was like, and I wasn't, I wasn't doing very good. So, you know, it was, uh, it was quite a journey, but what was interesting was that whole time it was, the brain was never addressed, you know, you're, it wasn't even until months later when things got kind of really real for me that, you know, I wasn't feeling good. And when they took my collar off that you're, you know, you're healed, Sean, you're good. You know, you can return back to normal life, take it easy, but, you know, your collar's off. That, that's when things got really complicated for me personally because everybody, including my wife, friends and family, anybody that saw me, I looked like the same person from before the accident. And I looked good. I was, you know, standing. It was like, you've had a full recovery. You're amazing. And in my head, in my brain, I wasn't absolute mess and nobody my wife was starting to see it for sure but it was leading to conflict I wasn't getting any help from anybody and it was really really scary for so many different reasons the there's a lot of different reasons that we're going to talk about in a second and you found out but you said in many times that what really allowed gave you yourself permission to go seek help for your brain was that you weren't yourself. You just weren't yourself in many different respects. 
as a result of the accident that you suffered. Tell our audience what it means not to be yourself. When if you have a potential brain injury or repetitive hits to the head and this kind of thing, what does it mean? It's just so lightly used out there in the, in the, in the neurological world. Yeah. Um, on the light side, it was difficult for me to function um, for long periods of time doing normal things, meaning I would get really tired easily. Um, communication was really challenging. Um, it got to the point where, you know, for example, I almost stopped talking to my wife because mm. um, she would ask me a question and it would take me so long in my head to start an answer and to give her an answer that she was already on to the second question mm-hmm. and I couldn't get to that. And then she was on to the third. So like she saw me as a normal person, but I wasn't a normal person and I couldn't communicate normally. I couldn't communicate at any rate that could keep up with whatever, what everyone else was doing. And internally I was so almost like bipolar, like so frustrated and mad sometimes. I was so quick to anger and I was dealing with a lot of suicidal thoughts um, and I was losing control of my ability to reason. And every week, every month, it was getting worse and worse. Mm. And I realized that, you know, I was at, my accident was early September and by... December, I was totally aware that I was becoming a threat to myself and my family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, it was horrible. Like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't reason. Like, you can't, like, you have an insane, an insane idea in your head, because we get them, we're human, right. and it makes perfect sense you don't have the ability to say like, that's a bad idea. And it was really scary because I found myself all the time trying to talk myself out of doing really bad things. And that's when it just got to be too much where I was like, I obviously it wasn't getting better. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was easy. I mean, I get why people, commit them suicide because there was there was I was putting my family through so much stress and pain I was in so much stress and pain that I couldn't see a way out except for either one I heal which I had no idea how to do it or two I got to put myself out of this misery for my family which doesn't seem right right you know like I'm a dad like how'd be terrible but it was like the way I was treating my family was I couldn't imagine what my kids would be like growing up in that house with me like that, you know? Well, so you you should just, that's amazing. My hands, my palms are sweating going here to this story, but it's amazing what you've gone through and how you got there. And you were definitely not yourself. You recognize that you were not stabilized. You recognize that you were not in a safe zone. You recognize that. That wasn't yourself. That's not being yourself. That's real with brain injury. And we see that all the time. But the, 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 the extrapolation or the, the, the quickness of it all happens at different levels of the, the injury itself. And obviously, you, you initiated a very quick delivery of all that that affected your life. So 
With that being said, something or someone special, looking back, had to inspire you to take the first step to take a look at your brain or to, to, to really seek the right help. Tell us about how that happened. Yeah, um, my wife was one. She was doing her best the whole way through, and she she's an angel, but she didn't understand the situation like most spouses that have never dealt with a head injury or, you know, it was very difficult for her, but she, uh, she would show me like Dr. Amon's YouTube videos and be like, Sean, you're going to heal. You know, we're going to figure out a way. And every once in a while I'd watch one of his videos and I, it was really inspiring because, you know, his whole message is you don't have to have the brain you have and you can heal. Meanwhile, I'm like talking to every doctor I can and they're like yeah you gotta just wait it out <laughs> oh my god waiting it out was <laughs> oh, getting boy. worse and worse oh, and, and they're telling me to calm down it's all in my head and it's just you you know and it's like you know it was just it was a really sad state and I don't know I had a friend she's a good friend of mine now her name's Barbara Bridges she reached out to me and she's an acquaintance with uh Dr. Amen and she facilitated sending Dr. Amen my videos and saying, hey, you got to meet Sean Dollar. Um, he's a big wave surfer, had this really bad accident. He's in bad shape. Would you be interested in talking to him? And I mean, I got really lucky. Dr. Amen watched my videos, was really interested in what I did and um, reached out to me. And uh, he invited me up to um at that point it was in south san francisco it's their clinic right, now right. in walnut creek right and i went up there new year's eve and did a spec scan mm -hmm. and that was like that was where everything changed because what happened was one my wife went and we sat down with dr amina um, the doctor from that clinic, and he showed me my scan that afternoon and looked at me and, and looked at my wife and said, look, you know, here's here's the holes in his brain. Here's the damage. You can see it on the scan. He's like, your husband's not doing good. Sean, you're not doing well. And, you know, he broke it down like, you know, you have the brain of a professional football player, meaning mm -hmm. you played high school, you played college and you played pro football and you have significant damage and it's not from this one injury it's from all the injuries before this last one's just over the top and one like you know in my craziness I knew this right like I knew I had brain damage I knew I wasn't acting the same but to be diagnosed was like the weight was taken off of me and and more importantly my wife for the first time really had compassion for me and mm -hmm. understood why I was who I was, that I was not the same person. I didn't have the same brain and I didn't have control the way I used to. And we left there with an understanding and a plan and a closeness and a, that we, we started a course, you know, and wow. I am so grateful for that moment Gosh. because it became a, a domino effect from there of everything I, that happened to me. So you, when you, what you just described is the power of validation. 
and how it turned your life around, validating that my brain is injured and we've got work to do on that. And we have progression path potential that you're going to look into and tell us more about. But I want to ask you a powerful question because I think it's the deal. What do you think you would be doing without that, knowing what, without having the ability to have a spec image in front of you from the Amen clinics back then, where do you think you'd be now? I honestly don't think I'd be alive. You know, and that's, oh man, that's, that's power. That's, that's very impactful because that's unfortunately what takes place with pro caliber exquisite yeah. athletes like yourself in all sports in the world is that they, they, they are, they don't get to see what the issue injury is. You have the potential and, and the blessing to go see it and, and start your journey. So take us to the next steps of, of your journey of getting a clear, clear picture of how you're going to heal the physical side of your injury. Cause we know the emotional demons are always going to be there and they were, they were attacking every which way. But tell us how you started the physical journey. Well, there's a lot of small things that happened in between. And, you know, we, <laughs> I kind of want to make sure that I kind of cover the high points because yeah, I want to make sure that we leave the, the people that are listening to this. Like, there's a lot you could do and it all matters, but there's things you need to do. And, um, you know, uh, the Amen Clinic recommended that I start doing hyperbaric, but I'm a highly concussed individual, not thinking clearly. It seemed like that was like a, almost like a vitamin I should take, you know, and I didn't take it that seriously and I didn't follow through with it. And um, I was probably, you know, I got that diagnosis. It maybe went by like a month of not really much improvement. I was taking supplements. I was still struggling, but at least like I had an understanding. My relationship with my wife was so much better. My family was having patience with me. But I went and spoke at the Amen Clinic to a bunch of bunch of doctors and physicians. And there was a doctor there named Dr. Cook and Dr. Share, mm-hmm. um, as well as a friend of mine, Josh Donaldson. And they're all friends and they all knew each other. But Dr. Cher in particular um, is an amazing doctor when it comes to hyperbaric, his passions with hyperbaric medicine. And he pulled me aside after with those two other doctors and was like, Sean, you need hyperbaric like immediately. Let's um, use my network and get you in. And, you know, (laughs) I get when people have a head injury, I tell them all the time, here's a number, go do hyperbaric, go do hyperbaric. It's pretty rare that people actually fall through with it. So I'm going to interrupt I you for one second. I want to say, yeah. because what, what you mentioned recently is hyperbaric, and for the whole, for the audience, it's, yeah. it's just to complete it's hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and that's what John's referring to. Go ahead, do it. Yeah, and, you know, it, 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 it was kind of an intervention moment for me where, mm-hmm. you know, I was in front of, three doctors were like, you need to go do hyperbaric like now and let us help you. <laughs> and um, shortly after that, I did do my first hyperbaric at Baria Hyperbarics um, in Los Gatos. And, you know, to describe it for everybody, it's a, it's a hard shell chamber that you get in. It's, 
Um, you're, while you're inside there, you're breathing pure oxygen. And the compression of the, the, the chamber becomes pressurized and it pushes pure blood and oxygen through the blood-brain barrier into your brain and throughout your body, stem cells start hyper-generating and all this other stuff, magic happens. Mm -hmm. But right. I left the first, first time being in hyperbaric, I left with like, whoa, like I can think for the first time in a long time at a decent rate and I feel like significantly better. Like, you know, it was like, I just had a huge leap forward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the progress after that was not quite as quick. I mean, it, it, but I was consistent. I kept going back and I did 40 rounds and I was making serious improvements and, you know, eventually got up to like 80 rounds. And, uh, you know, that's where we kind of maxed out and we kind of hit the end of the road. But hyperbaric medicine got me back functioning and had a huge impact on my healing, huge, huge impact. And I can't stress it enough how important it is to when you have a head injury or concussion to immediately get into a hyperbaric chamber because at the end of the day, you don't need to suffer. And I've seen it over and over with friends. It takes it away. You know, it's, 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 it's so powerful what hyperbaric oxygen therapy does. There's a little fun fact that I share with people, kind of an elevator pitch about the brain, and you'll get this. You know, sitting here talking to you today, the brain consumes 15% of your body's blood, 20% of your body's oxygen, and 25% of your, your body's caloric intake just to talk and, and maximize its production while we talk and to walk around and do everything else. It's the most the brain can take from the body. And when you damage the brain, guess what it needs more of? Blood, oxygen, and nutrition. But nobody talks that way. And that's one, one of the foundations of what we talk about. Is let's make sure we get oxygen back in the system so it can regenerate a lot of things. Mitochondria, all these things that you've become so familiar with to regenerate the brain again and the, and the cells and the neurons and neurotransmitters, all these things. God, what a blessing that was for you. Well done. Yeah, it was because, I mean, I was on supplements. I was doing red light therapy. I had done some IVs with uh, – Josh Donaldson, and it just wasn't really moving the needle. I think I was so highly damaged that, you know, it 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 wasn't it wasn't really making it was making a difference, but it wasn't making a difference that I was starting to recover really. Right. And that's why it's like it is critical for somebody with a major head injury to get in hyperbaric. There's just really no way around it. And um, through this process, though, the kind of next thing that happened was, you know. I went and had a, a meeting with Dr. Amen personally, and we did a scan of my brain. It must have been like close to like a year and a half after my accident. I had done at that point 80 rounds of 80 to 100 rounds of hyperbaric. I had maxed out. I was feeling like a lot better. I wasn't feeling 100%, but I knew I was feeling a lot better. And, you know, the scan was kind of like, look, like, you've recovered, you know, we assume you've recovered. This is what typically works for most people. Let's scan your brain and, and, you know, kind of put the check mark on this whole thing. And, you know, it was, it just shocked us both. What we found was my brain, even though I was functioning better and feeling better, my brain scan was almost worse. 
like it was either as bad or slightly worse. And it really caught Dr. Amen by surprise and caught me by surprise too. And um, we just kind of had this moment where I'm like, like shocked, like Dr. Amen, like what do I do next, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Dr. Cher was prior to this telling me, hey, I heard of this doctor, Dr. Gordon, that does hormone therapy down in Los Angeles. You should do it. And uh, Dr. Amen goes, look, you know, the only idea I have is I've heard of this doctor in Los Angeles, Dr. Gordon, like you should go talk to him. Hmm. And uh, hmm. it was kind of like, okay, these two paths intersect. I got a hold of Dr. Gordon and um, I started doing hormone therapy. And, you know, to be fair, there's a lot of people that are going to probably listen, like, you know, Dr. Cook, especially to this. This is just, Right now, I'm just addressing my brain. But remember, I was still recovering from a broken neck. I was in pain that was like a level 9 to 10 almost daily. Every other day, I'd wake up with a migraine that I was throwing up from. Um, And we were doing neuroprolo and all this other stuff to address the neck. And I know they interact, but yet what I was more concerned with was the functionality of my brain and the fact that I had these crazy thoughts and needed control of that. And I needed to address that before I really kind of treated myself like a recovering guy from a broken neck. So, you know, I mean, you can only do so much in a day and you can only do so much in a week. And I'm trying to hold down my job and still be with the family. And, you know, you're kind of making choices on what works. So it was hyperbaric. And now we're going to move into hormone therapy, but I was still doing a bunch of modalities in between. I try to write about those on my website, but for, this podcast, I want to stick to kind of the function of the brain. And um, so I did a, a blood test and a, and a Skype with Dr. Gordon. He sent me, um, he went over my, my, my blood work and basically addressed that, look, you know, your testosterone is extremely low, which is normal for a head injury. Your hormones are out of whack. You've got all this stuff going on, which is leading t- towards further inflammation. And it's a domino effect because your brain subconsciously affects all the whole function of your body, your hormones. Everything's regulated through the brain, even though you're not thinking about it. But if your brain's damaged, those systems start getting affected. And when one gets affected, another gets affected. It was just a, it was a mess. I was a mess. So within a month of starting this um, regimen, I started feeling like a big improvement. I started feeling better. Month two, I started feeling even better. Month three, I started feeling better. And I started gaining momentum Mm. through this hormone therapy. And it was really, really cool. It was really, really cool to have that happen. And I really suggest that, you know, some people could have a head injury, I think, and can recover just off of hyperbaric alone. Mm -hmm. But with all the damage that I had and a healthy lifestyle and I needed more than just hyperbaric and hormone therapy was equal to the success that I had with with hyperbaric. And so, you know, it's really cool. I know that um, Dr. Amen now does a lot of hormone therapy to head injuries and they kind of, we've kind of, the doctors that I've worked with that were all specialists in this, I feel like 
I mean, I know, I don't want to take credit for it 100%, but they've kind of used me as their guinea pig and they've realized just how important those two components are together. Right. And when you merge them together, and you really should be doing them together, and you do it once, it's like you're doubling your chance of healing. It's a, it's a powerful collaboration that we talk about as much as we can when needed. And what you just described is the, the essence of every brain being different, every brain injury degree of difference. And when you have a spec image, as you so well know now, it shows you what's working well, what regions, what aren't working well in regions, and what's underwork and, and what's overworking well, overworking yeah. in your brain by blood flow examination. And when that still is not clicking, obviously hormones, obviously the other types of the modalities you came in, in touch with, then started to kickstart this thing into a real extrapolation of healing. And we, along with the community, including Dan Amen, Dr. Amina, Dr. Shear. We constantly make sure that we don't isolate our individual recipients to one modality, if possible. We try to make sure that they're fully covered. Thus, the example you just gave, because it's incredible that no brain is the same. So that's yeah, a fascinating and the, story. And the more you throw at it, the, the more you're going to move forward. Well, the invisible yeah. injury, the invisible injury is kind of biased. It doesn't let you know what's happening. I share with people that. You know, it's interesting, Sean, and you know this, it's probably, you're standing up alive. If we cut our brain in half, you wouldn't feel it because there's no pain receptors in the brain. And people don't get that. If the brain's hurt, it doesn't tell you. You just get headaches because of vascular issues. It's not because it's hurt. It's not telling you it, it, it's damaged. And so it's the biggest hidden secret out there. So luckily you ran across some wonderful doctors who our open transparency of collaboration of getting that brain healed because that is not the system. And that's one reason we do what we do. It's not one hit away. Yeah. I got really lucky to, you know, to keep finding myself in front of these amazing doctors that are on the tip of the spear when it comes to brain health and uh, took an interest in me and wanted to see if I could recover. And, you know, they all collaborated and they all worked together and it was, you know, they all, ever, all the work that we did fed off the work we did before that. And, yeah. you know, um, the last, the biggest, the other kind of the three pillars of really healing was um, I got back together with Dr. Cook and, you know, he'd always told me like, hey, you're going to, you, you should really do stem cells. And um, I always kind of wanted to, number one, like, I'm paying for all this stuff out of pocket. And a lot of these doctors taught me or help me, but still I'm paying for it out of pocket. And man, right. And so like the amount of money I spent in the last four years is insane. Like I spent mm -hmm. my savings trying to keep myself together. Mm. But um, I always too was like interested in the experience because knowing, not knowing anybody that went through this and knowing that like, we gotta, I gotta figure this out that I need to kind of know if you do everything together, you never really know how effective one thing is. And so I kind of chose to try to do things semi kind of isolated one for financial reasons, two, because we didn't quite know, but three, also I wanted to be able to like really speak to does this make a difference? Mm -hmm. So, you know, after being on hormone therapy and hyperbaric, I went um, to Dr. Cook and, 
we went down into Mexico and um, he has, he collaborates with a, basically an American clinic that's right over the border. We flew into San Diego, across the border, went into this really nice clinic and I uh, got hooked up to an ID of about 250 million um, placental matrix stem cells and gave me an IV within 45 minutes. I had 250 million stem cells moving through my body. And, um, you know, and a, and a note before I get into what it did is, you know, this is not legal to do in the U.S., this is, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But no, another topic, to, another day. <laughs> yeah, we had, to, we had to go outside of the country. You can't get this, you can't do this in the borders of the U.S., so I was uh, sitting there, and within an hour to two hours, like, I could literally feel my brain turning on. I could, like, practically feel new connections forming. I could start, the fog was getting lifted, the brain fog. No, I was like, my brain was turning on. That's how fast the stem cells were working. And um, I flew home that night feeling quite good. And um, walked into my house probably around 9 or 10 a.m. And my wife was waiting up for me, and she wanted to see how I was doing. And it was within a minute of talking to her, she just started crying because she, uh, she's like, literally, you're back. I see the light in your mm-hmm. eyes again. Like, I can't wow. believe it. You're back. And that really was the moment that, you know, people ask, like, have you, have you had a full recovery? And the hard answer is no, but the truth is yes. You know, like I might, I'm going to always be trying to recover from this accident. But at that moment, you know, it was really kind of like the merger of my brain was, was back on. And I was, I had my personality back and I was back. And um, the next couple of months, the stem cells kept going to work and, you know, I've really done my best to try to maintain that type of health, and it's uh, not been a cakewalk. Like today, I'm exhausted, and uh, you know, life isn't uh, back to normal. But you know, I've, you know, it's I'm still a work in progress, and I work hard. But those those are those are the three things that just like pushed it over the edge and allowed me to come back and have my life back. Incredible story. It's, um, you've, you've become one of the most educated individuals in your sport about brain damage and brain healing. You have elevated yourself to brain healing modalities that the public typically doesn't know about, unfortunately. And you are a spokesperson for your own organizations so I'll share with people and also, fortunately, for One Hit Away about talking to people who are emotionally challenged with demons from their own brain injuries and confusion and exhaustion. And it's uh, you are a miracle to be doing what you're doing and, and trying to help others um, because you are a very gifted soul in the way you speak and the way you do things. And we can't thank you enough it. for Well, it's incredible. We can't thank you enough for your time today. Um, what I want to do is just kind of sum this up and share with people that uh, Sean Dollar is um, – available as a human being to talk to any of our audience members about this, this invisible injury. And uh, we together with One Hit Away and other organizations want to make sure that you have the healthiest brain out there. 
Um, you know, we are the only nonprofit in the country dedicated to brain healing of sports-related concussions, which in itself is quite quite a line saying we're the only ones out there. And we have a lot of work to do. Um, your experience, Sean, and your role at One Hit Away as a sports advisory council member allows us to reach many members throughout the country and the world and to assist athletes with the same kind of affected and potential invisible injuries as, as, as you came across. And hopefully we don't see a lot of those come our way because we don't want people hurt, but it happens. Um, your time today was incredibly valuable. Um, a lot of people ask me, how, how does everyone listening today read more about you, learn more about you, contact you? Uh, you are a mo both a motivational speaker and you are a survivor of uh, a massive TBI and event and a broken neck and uh, a sport that one hour of surfing the pipeline is equivalent to one hour of playing football. It's pretty, pretty intense. Um, can't thank you enough for your time and expertise, um, but in order to get a hold of Sean, go to his website, www.seandollar, S-H-A-W-N, dollar, D-O-L-L-A-R.com, and you got all the information about what Sean is, is available for and does for the good of the community and uh, his, his wonderful story. Sean, we're going to button it up. Uh, thank you for your time and expertise. It was truly fascinating, and uh, we look forward to another potential podcast in the near future. Before I end, I do want to share with our listeners two items. Please uh, make sure you take a look at our website, onehitaway.org, if you or your ever any family family members need any assistance, discussions, talk on this topic. And our motto at One Hit Away Foundation, One Hit Away understands your brain does change your game. Uh, thank you, Sean. Thank you to our audience. Have a great day.